Welcome to the Black on Black Education Podcast, where we interview the most brilliant minds and connected hearts to discuss our shared passion for the transformation, the revolution, reimagining, and recreation of education in the Black community. My name is Eva Loren Jean Charles, founder of Black on Black Education and New York City High School teacher. And I'm Jamal Thomas, her partner and dad, education enthusiast. And we're, and we're your, your host. host. Please don't forget to like, comment, share, and subscribe. And most importantly, to enjoy the episode. Welcome back to another episode of the Black on Black Education Podcast. Excited about this conversation. Um, as always, we asked our guests who they are, what they do, and why they do it. Ms. Coleman, Dr. Coleman. Yeah, it's all good. It's all good. Respect. Put some respect on her name. <laughs> yeah, I'm, get, I'm getting used to it. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I am Dr. Natalie Coleman, uh, born and raised in Juliet, Illinois, uh, right outside of Chicago. I am the owner, uh, founder of After the Peanut. It is a STEM education company named in honor of George Washington Carver. We develop programs for students uh, related to STEAM. So anything you could think of with STEAM, we probably had a, a go at it or implemented a program somewhere. Uh, my favorites, you know, I do have some favorites are forensics and financial literacy and robotics. Hmm. Um, so we have these programs in private schools, public schools, after school partnerships, with, um, different organizations, work with the wide Girl Scouts, had a tremendous uh, summer camp at Lewis University, which is in Romeoville, Illinois. I have a partnership with them. So it's just been an amazing experience. Um, my background, I came out of uh, high school. I taught chemistry and physics. Then I was an administrator. And then in 2018, I decided to go full time um, because, as we know, sometimes there is a ceiling that people put on top of you. And then it's also a box people can put you in. And I don't, and not necessarily the job I left, just in general. And I knew it was more that I wanted to do. And I witnessed um, the roadblocks for minorities when it comes to STEAM. Being one myself, right? You know, like I went through college kind of looking like, oh, there's one in my class, you know, one other black girl, maybe sometimes none. I was also in the military and that was exempt of, of a lot of black women officers because I was an officer. I didn't go in enlisted. I was an ROTC. So anyhow, I just saw a need. Um, and so I try to make my company uh, solution oriented. There's a lot of problems. We could talk about them all day, right? But what are the solutions? So we, we come up with solutions to problems and we're trying to encourage all students because, to be honest, in doing my research for my doctorate, I, I, my research was based on studying African-American girls and what district administrators are doing to increase their numbers in STEAM. What mm -hmm. I found out is a problem across the U.S. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just a problem. It hits minorities yeah. harder, but it is a problem across the U.S. And this is no hit on anyone coming to perform any type of job, you know, um, as far as immigration and whatnot, is is the school system that's in America that's got the the hiccup um, because it's antiquated. And mm -hmm. we wait too long to get students excited about STEM. STEM. Yeah. 
So I'll pause there because you just asked me who I was and why I do that. <laughs> because I've seen the problem and I want to provide solutions. I mean, I love that. And I, I'm glad you got into all of it. We definitely wanted to to get into uh, your your history, right? So, I mean, your trajectory is very interesting. And when, in our pre-call, I'm sitting here and I'm like, military, possible police officer, STEM and STEAM, <laughs> high school teacher. Like, what? This is, this is crazy. So I would love to just know a little bit more about your trajectory into education and how some of those experiences before coming into the education system, how they informed um, your understanding of what we need in, in the world right now. So <clears throat> I grew up um, in a two-parent household. My mom was an educator, primarily adult education. My dad was an electrician. And they never really pushed school like on me. They're not like, because I, I don't know, I was a good kid. <laughs> you know, I went to school and I was like, I'm going to go to college. And I was like, I want to be, you know, a state like forensics person, a detective or FBI. Mm. That's what I was going with, with my chemistry degree. And then I found out that wasn't the road I was going to take <laughs> because this is what happened. So I graduated from college. I was in ROTC. I get appointed to my first National Guard unit, like maybe October. So I had the summer after graduation to kind of chill out mm -hmm. and find a job, right? And so December is the first meeting I go to. It's the Christmas party with the unit. And the commander's like, I have an announcement. <laughs> and I'm like, what? I just got here. Well, the announcement is we're going to Iraq in three months. Mm. So less than a year oh. after college, I'm like, so I'm going to Iraq and I'm 23, right? And I'm like, all right, this is what you signed up for. I was military police. I was like, all right. So I went, I did, I did what I had to do. I had a platoon of 30. I, I missed home. It was like a different moment in time between me and my dad. Like I seen him like be more sentimental. Mm. But I did my time and I did it as a military police officer. So I'm literally sleeping with a rifle and a pistol every night for 15 months, right? <laughs> it's we in the middle of nowhere most of the time at our, our bases, right? And so everything is startling because we in the freaking war. So let me watch my language. So, <laughs> so I get home and I'm like, Nah, I don't think I want to be a cop because before I left, I took the Chicago police exam and passed, mm. scheduled to take the psych, but then I got deployed. So anyway, we get back from Iraq and I'm like, I'm going to be a teacher. I already have a wow. You know, I didn't have a lot of African-American teachers. I only had one black female science teacher. And I was in, I count how many years I was in school, like 20 something years I've been in school, right? Getting these degrees plus, you know, K-12. And then also I had a Hispanic male in high school. That was cool. Mr. Juarez, he's still holding it down <laughs> and coaching football at the high school. And I had an African male. And I, I say all the time, I know there's many countries in Africa. I don't know which country, right? So I don't people think I'm like, you know, so, but that was it. Like as far as minority professors, the science, so I'm like, I'm going to be a teacher. And my mother was ecstatic because she did not want me to be a cop. So I become a high school teacher. I'm loving it. I'm like, yep, 20 years. I'm about to do this. We get pay raise. I love the kids. I'm coaching basketball. I'm on the Kiwanis Club. I got best dress one year. I'm like, hey, <laughs> where is that? <laughs> and then I was on the school board. 
and I'm sitting in a meeting, and this is when all them standards came out, the Common Core standards, right? I don't know if mm-hmm. New York does. Y'all did y'all own thing. Yeah. New York and Texas. Oh, you guys are? So Common no, we Core, have Common Core. Mm-hmm. Okay. Common Core comes out, and they merge science and social studies together because the math and the language person, they need all this time because of these new standards, right? They got to zone in because guess what? That's what the test is about to be all about. So I'm sitting on the school board, listening to the job description. I'm like, check, yep, I got that check. Because I had went back to school to get my master's. Okay, I got, all right, I'm applying for this job. (laughs) And so the job was in the district I grew up in. It was a little hiccup in the hiring process. And I'll just leave it at that. Because systematic racism and doing our friends a favor and all that is, is an issue. The funniest thing is that the gentleman who was the superintendent, and I tell the story all the time, we had the same last name. Didn't know that man, don't know that man, don't know where he is right now. But he, his last name is Coleman, right? And everybody thought he's like my uncle, and he's the one who got me the job. But I'm like, check my resume and check this other person they was trying to hire. And yes, he said, is this the best person for the job? And she wasn't, and they knew it. So anyway, I become an administrator. And that's when the light clicked. That's when I said, I can do this for 20 years, no way. Because I'm seeing teachers who love their job. I'm seeing teachers who probably should retire. I'm seeing teachers who are in between. But guess what? At the end of all of that, who's suffering? Kids. And the red tape to get to certain things, um, the lack of, like, when you run your own thing, you can move as slow or as fast as you want to, right? You want to put in 24 hours, you know, three days in a row, you can't. But it was, for me, it was too many, it was too much like um, all these steps you have to take. And so at the end of the day, you know, we have after school programs. I brought in robotics programs. I brought in STEAM clubs, right? And I'm looking at who's joining. And it's a variety of kids. But there's the kids who don't have a ride after school, can't walk home. Like they're automatically like dismissed because they they can't stay after school. Um, There was a lack of diversity in the curriculum as far as what students were reading because I was over social studies as well. And so I I did what I could with the team that I had at the time. You know, I can go on and on about social studies and how it was so much pushback on going away from America being like this hero and savior. And When I so I'm so happy I joined the military because I could talk. I said I got a little bit of extra I could say because I fought for this country. Mm. So mm. I to say about it, I can say it, and and I don't regret it. And I'm I'm not I'm not mad about our history, right? Like I don't wake up angry, like I'm you know. But I do need people to address it and understand mm. it has caused some of the problems we have today. Even even in a situation that I'm in now, right? So I, I, I finished that career in 2018. I said, I'm going to step out on my own because I want to create programs. I want to find a transportation. There are people out here who want to give. Um, there, there were just some things I wanted to do. I mean, technically, I want to open my own private school at some point, And it would be STEAM-based from kindergarten through eighth grade. And the curriculum would have a heavy emphasis on diversity and inclusion. Um, all around, not just like in science, but I mean that the entire school is based on STEAM and diversity and inclusion. Because right. there's there's a huge gap and everyone knows it, but it's like, well, what are we doing about it? Because we can't wait to high school. 
So my mm -hmm. goal is to start with students in third grade. Like that's the earliest or the youngest that students can enter most of the programs that we create. And we want to try to keep them through high school, right? Mm -hmm. Involved in what we're doing. And there are scholarship opportunities. We, we I personally know with every program we like allocate funds and resources to reach students who don't have the necessary things that they might need to get into the program, whether that be transportation, mm -hmm. whether that be, you know, the fee. Um, some things are free, some things cost. So it's just like, I just saw a need in yeah. my solution. Not saying that it's, it's the best or it, it, the schools are terribly wrong. School systems have a place. I, I mean, I'm a public school graduate. But they, it's not always right. easy to give everything because of the standardized test, because of the politics behind it. I'm also a, a politician, right, an elected official. So I see a, like I see a lot of things from the balcony perspective. Um, and which it, is, go ahead. No, nah, which is super important. Like where 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 you're standing and and. You know, it's you've prepared yourself from the beginning. Like, you know, I, I what, what I heard as you were telling your story was I heard, you know, care and concern. Like, you you wanted to be, you know, uh, forensics was first, and then you you know, then you wind up with law law enforcement, and that had to do with you know caring about you know the world and 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 the people in it. Um, and then you get to point that at at students. Um, and while some people's you know focuses oh the school system is messed up the school system is messed up and it, and it stays there yours is there's things that are messed up about the school system i'm going to learn Absolutely. about those things by being on the school board i'm going to learn about those things uh by being in the classroom and then i'm going to create solutions and 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 that's what you're doing you're, you're putting together like a, a, a solution and it's the type of people we 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 often love to to, to kind of talk to um, one, one of the pieces that, that I don't know if I fully got in there, um, is, is where, where the passion for STEM specifics or, or STEAM specifically came from. And, and, and I'm, and I ask it, I'll, I'll be a little bit, um, contrarian a little bit. Cause I, I think that, that kids are not necessarily interested in science for the sake of science. You know what I mean? Like it's, 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 uh, technology is a little bit different, but it's the things that, that, that act that these things do. Um, so curious, like what, what, what were the things where you were like, Oh my God, this is so amazing. And that made you want to move into the area of, of, of steam. Mm. I honestly don't have a moment, right? So I grew up like playing video games, you know. I, but I like gadgets. I think I like, you know, I wanted like the new stereo, the new disc man. Well, I'm dating myself. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, I know what those things that, are. That so. double tape deck, you know, you record on one, play on the oh, other. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and I remember my parents buying me a chemistry set when I was younger for Christmas. So I, I'm assuming I asked for it. But I think what it is is that science has an answer to some things in this world. Mm -hmm. And there's a there's an endpoint, there's creativity in it. There, this is what I'm finding out as an adult and why I still like it. And so, like, mm -hmm. recently, it could be scary, but I know on the other side is an understanding. So what I mean is, like, robotics. I didn't touch a robot probably until I was about 33. And it took so much to put this thing together. <laughs> it gave me a better appreciation of people who design things, you know, mm -hmm. whether it's drones, driverless cars. 
but they're trying to develop solutions for people too. Because, you know, some people, whether, you know, you get in the, I always, you know, like you break your leg, right? It's hard to drive. But if you got a driver's car, you don't have to worry about that. You can still get in the car and go. They're trying to make them for blind people. They want drones to deliver things to reduce carbon emissions. Like it's all kinds of like new gadgets coming out. And I, what I think about is the next generation needs to know how to fix them, build them, and make them better. Mm. So, like, it's cool to know how to fly a drone, right? But if it breaks or, you know, wing gets chipped or whatever, you know, something happens to how do you fix How do you program? And that's like the behind-the-scenes look. It's kind of like the kids who can play a video game and then where are the kids who can make the video games. Right, right. And so I just think... I'm just intrigued by science in itself and what it has done for our world. Like just going from horse and buggy to cars, you know, it made the world a difference. And every time I see a plane, I'm like a little kid, like, I'm like, how does that, how does that work again? And then I got to go, you know, mm-hmm. Newley's law of physics, like, okay, I'm going to try to understand this, but you know, <laughs> it's just, it's just like, to me, it's a cool, like science is cool. Like smart yeah. people, people who know things, people who can build things, it's just a cool thing to be to, to me. So, yeah. and I don't want kids to feel like if they're really into roller coasters or they're really into robots or coding, that it's something wrong and they're too nervous. So, we create safe spaces for to come and hang out. And I have several parents who call me, like, my kid is trying to find the kid that was in the summer program. They, they <laughs> have a year to say about this. So I got to have like a reunion or something, you know, <laughs> because they had such a great time. I just, that is so cool. it was never like one moment. It's just, I think just been like, I just like it. I just, I just like it. I like numbers. I say all the time, I would have been an accountant or stockbroker. So that could be part this, of this. This is, this is, this is way more fun. What you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I mean, it just, and everything you're saying makes me think about, what I feel when I hear science, right? So when I hear science, I hear like the cell, the mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. And the cell does this in your body. Like that's what science was for me, the majority of my schooling experience. So -hmm. the actual process, the scientific method, all the things that you're talking about, about what drew you to the sciences are like the opposite of what I experienced. And so now now teaching and working with science teachers and beginning to understand the ways in which, and having taught science for a year, like the ways that you put things together and categorize them. And and it it becomes more fascinating because I'm looking at it from a completely different lens. But before it was just one of those classes that I was like, well, I guess it's eighth period again. (laughs) and what do I have to do to get a B and let's call it a day like it just was never something that engaged me or drew me in and so it's so cool now hearing someone one who's passionate about something that like I'm not passionate about talk about why and then beginning to understand the disconnect because I think that helps us understand the disconnect for students if you're Mm -hmm. teaching it in a specific way or you're only um showing them what the thing is and not what the thing can do, um, it it definitely puts, it hinders students' ability to actually engage with science because honestly, all that other stuff that we do in science class isn't science. Like learning about a cell is not science. 
what the cell does knowing the periodic table is not what 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 i don't i i can almost not name any of that stuff at this point um you know i except for the things that i've had to touch and put my hand on and mm -hmm. do something mm -hmm. with. and it sounds like your programs are are exposing kids to that do something yeah absolutely. yeah I, I found a lot of schools they say they do science they say oh, okay so what's your science class like oh well we have these articles that we read and then we answer that's reading comprehension. That's not science. And I don't, I don't, I'm not saying it like it's their fault, right? Because mm -hmm. school, public school is a system and standardized tests run public schools, whether people want to admit it or not. And so unless you have a passionate teacher who's like, I'm going to go get this stuff myself, right? And I'm going to make sure we do a lab every Thursday. But there's some schools where kids were not doing hands-on all year long. You know, they might grow a plant, you know? That's that's but that's that's so we, simple. What do we do? <laughs> we um we we learned how to identify a mineral. Like I don't want to identify nobody's mineral <laughs> by scratching it on a plate. Like that is not fun to me. And so exactly what you're saying. I mean, it's just it's it's important. And we've talked to other science educators, and I think that what the the common theme now is that like science class needs to turn into doing science. Yes. And I think that that's what school systems are lacking so much. They're not doing science with students. They're telling students what science has found. Yes. And, and they're not, they're not exactly like my dad said earlier, they're not interested in that. Yes. I, I, just, I just look at a pig. I don't like what is, can, can you, with, with your scientific mind, can you explain why they made me dissect a pig? Like what was I supposed to get from that? Like I, I don't, cause I didn't, I don't know. <laughs> so I, so for me, dissection is about one learning how to use tools, right? So if you if you're if you have kids interested in being a surgeon or a doctor, right, that's a good place to start because you're going to be cutting humans open. So pigs, frogs, the pigs are probably the cheapest too. It's also a way to help identify organs, right? You know, and know what different parts of the body are. I'm more chemistry and physics, but I think dissection has its place. But you have to apply it to the real world. You have to say, exactly. veterinarians, this is a job they would do. Doctors, this is why it's important. And then even the skill, the soft—I call them—I will call them soft skills. The patience behind dissecting. You can't just go gut it, you know. And, and, and <laughs> you know, if you're trying to repair something internally, you have to be patient with it. So yeah. I think what I know is that the application of what we do in science classes to the real world is a it's a it's a gap. It's missing. Yeah. But if you connect it to a career, you connect it to a real world scenario, like you could teach it was um and it's unfortunate, it's been several, and I don't I, I don't want to misspeak, but it's been plane crashes over international waters, right? And you have to bring in people from all these countries for the people who were on this plane and so on and so forth. So you build this team, right? And so behind all of that for me is a lesson on technology. It's a lesson on physics. It's also that critical thinking skills that you need just as an adult. So for me with science, I don't think every student should be or has to be or want to be a scientist or engineer. Mm -hmm. but there's yeah. other skills you learn, like being on a team. <laughs> You yeah, know, if you're not athletic, you're not in a choir in school, you know, different different clubs that they already have. Where do you learn how to get along with other people? Where do you learn to have healthy engagement and arguments and evidence? I can't tell you 
how perturbed I have been about everyone who's now a doctor and know everything about COVID and vaccines and diseases because they looked on Google. So it's, it's, it's disturbing to me how misinformed people can be and not trust people who went to school for certain things, you know, and out of respect for people who have actually studied and practiced and learned some things like mm-hmm. a slap in the face. So what I want to talk to students about, and I'm teaching now, I teach a class that teaches teachers how to teach science, right? Yeah. So what I'm telling them is you need to teach out students how to argue from evidence, not from a news clip. Right. You have to actually dig into your research, whatever it may be. And that could be for science, social studies, history, all these things. You just can't read one thing online and go with it. So for me, science is the doing of it. And when you do science, you get results, you get data and then you base your theories, uh, future practices on those things. That's why they're testing driverless cars right now, because and what have they found out for whatever reason? It's difficult for them to notice a darker skinned person. Mm. So that means you throw these cars on the road, guess who's freaking getting hit? So they had to go back to the lab and say, wait a minute, our sisters, something wrong with them. They're not working how they should be. Right. And who wants a lawsuit on their hands that you know the cars are going crazy hitting people because the color sensors weren't tested enough? So it's it's so much out here that kids yeah. get into whatever it is they like. And I just, I just want to be like a bridge for them. I tell, I told a group of kids in fourth grade, that they could not tell me anything that like, just, I can relate anything to STEM. They didn't mm-hmm. believe me. And for like three days I had to avoid them because they kept saying stuff. So what about this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so the teacher, <laughs> I could tell the teacher was getting perturbed every time I came around. So I was like, look kids, I got y'all. You can't stump me. But I mean, our whole world is full of science. You know, yeah. the toothpaste we use, to the toothbrush, to the towels, the, the material that was made to use to make, I mean, all day long I could go. So it's just mm-hmm. a, it's a, it's, it's a world that is sometimes compressed to what's taught in school. And that's all the kids think like, I'm going to color the cell today. And I forgot how to spell this word or you know, I didn't name the mitochondria to, compared to the cell wall. Like, they get bored with it. Because what is that? Yep. Mean? Yep. You know, so I think for um, one class I had, um, when we were talking about cells, we I started off by talking about sickle cell. My niece has sickle cell. And so mm-hmm. I'm not a big biology person, but I know sickle cell, the cell is not a normal cell. And so... Yeah. I asked the kids, do you know any of your family members have this? Boom. So you related it to something that they know already. And we know sickle cell is primarily in African-American communities. Yep, right? yep, yep. So you're related to something that they live with, you know, and you talk about things that they're interested in. And then you go into the, the, the book stuff, so to speak. That's how I, I, I think that's how you relate. You, you look at the topic, you find out what the kids are interested in is related to the topic. You stay on that. Like for physics, we used to go outside and throw a football. We go play catch. We run around the track. That's how we're going to learn about speed and velocity and wind resistance. We're not going to sit in class and read about it. So 
I just uh, a wonderful world STEM. <laughs> and the thing is, is it seems so self-evident to me, you know, like, and, and I, you know, I, I, I mean, I use some of the same things all the time. It's like, it's like, you know, nobody wants to necessarily, you know, learn calculus for the sake of calculus. You know what I mean? They, they want to learn how the rocket ship goes to the moon. And if you can, you know, get their brain turning around that rocket ship, then, you know, calculus is just, you know, something that you needed to make it happen. Absolutely. Um, so, um, I, I, I told people, quit teaching fractions, like, with problems and go have a cooking class. Thank you. Because you know? I missed one day of fractions <laughs> in elementary school, and I'm still jacked up. <laughs> and I'm like, for all my boys and, and girls and whoever that likes sports, you know, when you're talking about median, me, uh, mediate mode, Mm-hmm. Another one I can't think of right now. Go get the stats from the last night's basketball game. Yeah, look at look at LeBron's averages versus Jordan's at his prime, and whoever you know, it's so many ways to teach math Absolutely. and other things that don't just have the kids sitting in the class in this textbook page after page. And it so you can I've seen so many companies because I was on the hiring, not the hiring, end, but the purchasing end of materials for you know curriculum, and I sat in with. The English person, the math person, I'm sorry. And it's so many books created that are just like cookie cutter, right? They're going to sell them across mm-hmm. the U.S. That it, that could be part of the resources that the team yeah. uses. But if it's the only one, it's mundane and boring. Yep. So we did, um, we did a forensics week, you know. So how about that's how you teach kids more about, you know, um, chemistry and how chemical reactions occur like yeah. how can you spray something with a chemical and then you can see that it was blood in the carpet that's a chemical reaction instead of saying memorize the periodic table yeah exactly and i think that that leads so beautifully into the question we wanted to ask because i know something that you're extraordinarily passionate about is making school and class and science fun and so i mean first off i'm just thinking if you were my chemistry teacher which like I don't even want to talk about my chemistry school experience. But if you were my chemistry teacher, I would buy in. Like, I would be like, okay, let me figure out what's on this periodic table because now I'll get to learn this, this, and this. Mm -hmm. Um, And so talk about some of the techniques that you engage with teachers about um, to help them learn and understand the importance of really planning for fun. Um, because I think that that's something that gets missed in our conversation and our teacher prep programs as it pertains to creating lessons about like in that lesson plan, where are the the opportunities for students to have fun and to bring joy into the classroom, particularly in the STEM fields where, or the STEAM fields where our students have very much been, been marginalized from. So I, I've been big on mentoring and I'm going to go back to that, but the teacher themselves they have to know the curriculum. And what I find, what I'm finding out, and there's another problem because K-5 teachers don't have to have a science degree. They take like a methods course, how to teach science. That's most, most, most places, right? And so one, like, you gotta dig into it. You gotta decide, you know what? I didn't learn all I need to learn about physics or chemistry or earth science, mm. whatever it is that my topics are. Cause you don't cover everything, right? You know, but I need to dig in and know my topics. And then I need to use these resources that are online. There's so many websites that you can go to. Um, I stick with like 
I guess more prestigious one if that's what you want to call it, but it's like a National Science Teachers Association website. And from there, you can find so many activities. And you have to then decide, like, how do you tie this into kids' everyday lives? Talking about hurricanes in Illinois doesn't make as much sense as talking about hurricanes in New Orleans when it comes to, like, natural disasters, right? But if we talked about tornadoes or we talked about earthquakes, because we have a few tremors there, but tornadoes right in the Midwest. Like, you have to relate it to the... So if I'm teaching a unit on natural disasters, I'm not talking about tsunamis and hurricanes in Illinois. I'm talking about tornadoes, right? So just identifying what makes sense and what's actually in the student's real world. The other thing that I think is extremely important is looking at your own, I call it your inner circle. So like I said, for a math class, if I had to teach fractions, which just don't make sense sometimes, you have to use visual aids for fractions. And then to make it more engaging, bring in a chef. So I have friends who cook. If I was still teaching that, because so I was just in as a consultant, and but I told the teachers like, make it a, bake some brownies, make the kids show them the different, you know, because when you tell kids, you ask kids how long something is, and they say a gap, you know, it's it's a it's a you can't measure distance with a, a, a volume unit, so they're confused about even how to measure things. But if you bring mm. in the club and say, what can we measure in this? Most kids are going to name some type of liquid, right? You yeah. show them a reader stick. Like visual aids are extremely important and then mentorship. So bring in people who do the real jobs that relate to whatever you're teaching. And the kids like it because it's not the teacher talking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, take, take them outside and teach a class. I love first semester of physics when I taught high school because we were outdoors in the room. The classroom didn't have air anyway. It was sometimes better outside, right? Mm, so I think mm-hmm. knowing that your curriculum, relating it to the students' real world, their interest, right? Not your interest. Like, I'm interested all day in sports, but I might get a group of kids who could care less about sports, right? Yeah. So I can't teach everything through sports. I can't teach everything through money, you know? So you have to find out what they're interested in. I think visual aids are extremely important in, in doing math and science, right? And um, the mentor prop, the mentor piece. One thing I also yeah. tell teachers is make mistakes. You make mistakes, let the kids mistakes. You don't know, so I don't know. Let's let's figure it out together. Yeah. I thought I thought this was how it was supposed to work. So you gonna help me out? Yeah. You know? The amount of times that I've just pretended I didn't know nothing. Wait, I don't. I'm so confused. I'm reading this lesson plan. I don't know what it's talking about. We're supposed to learn something about some some isotope something, but I don't know what's going on. We got to figure it out. What you mean? You the teacher. And? <laughs> and? Yeah. So are you. Let's get it together. What are we doing? I mean, it's, it sounds empowering. Like, you know, these these are classrooms that, um, you know, I, I don't know that I was in. I, you know, I, I just don't know if, 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 if these things were taken into consideration. Um, and as a result, I wound up being like not a particularly good student. I had to say, this is what I'm interested in. Let me go find it. And, and, and it's unfortunate, you know, every kid is not going to do that. And, and, um, and if, but and you get all yeah. that time. You got twelve years. Like, hear me. Imagine if every kid, you know, during the course of those twelve years, gets the opportunity to do the things um, that 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 you're talking about, and they get to suggest lessons and things to that. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. once they have 
some of these foundational principles, they they can come up with what what the lesson is supposed to look like. Um, one piece of it, I'm I'm curious on it to to hear your thoughts on is you you know you talked about making it relatable to them. Um, talk about steam and and transforming our communities. Talk about like how how mm. be a part of the the process that um that is whatever all of the various different things that we need to do to to to, to challenge um the 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 challenges <laughs> in our communities. So for me, like. I grew up, my parents are from the South and they had a garden like every summer. And so I just thought urban agriculture, first of all, is a cool name. I maybe mm. some learning. I just thought urban, what is that? And then I learned about vertical grow walls. Mm-hmm. So I bought one and put it in my basement, right? Then I'm like, so if you get a vertical grow wall and you put it indoors and you control the temperature, you can grow whatever you want. Mm-hmm. You can grow strawberries in December in Illinois. You control all these, you know, you control the environment. I'm like, so I've been thinking long and hard about this. I'm like, so then COVID comes around and it's like, you know, the disparities and being health conscious. And yes, I will go get me a cheeseburger and pizza, but I'll be like, oh, let me just have a smoothie today. But I mean, you know, it's like, I really think that health is wealth. And, and what I mean is, if you're healthy, you're not in the, you know, not in the doctor's office as much. You mm-hmm. feel better. Your mood is better. Your mental health could be better. You bring in a little bit more positive energy. So for me, transforming our communities starts like from within. And to me, that's with what we're eating. So my company has partnered with several people like along the way in little spurts here. And I recently just received a $20,000 grant to provide an urban agriculture after-school program to teach kids about fruits, vegetables, growing food at home, eating healthy. And we're going to incorporate, of course, like mental health and wellness because these kids have been like cooped up. I'm like, so kindergartners are second graders now and sixth graders are in eighth grade. Like they skipped the whole year and a half of school. And so they need a place to go and, and no pun intended, like be nurtured, like grown like plants or you know you water the plant it grows and it's like it's ways of teaching kids how to do things get your hands dirty come on with the earth all that good stuff and then just how that applies Mm -hmm. into having a better community because now we have these community gardens around where i live right and they bump in like march through you know late september but then we got months where it's, I'm like, how can we keep this going? How can we yeah. keep this going? So like my goal is to like transform or, or transfer all that love and energy that everyone has during the summer months into year round growing and, you know, having students understand, okay, wait a minute. So I could be a farmer. Yeah, farming kind of cool because people need food. Like I don't care how many robots, computers and everything else you create, people need food to eat. Right. Yeah. And so. Absolutely. I think about the entrepreneurship piece behind that. Yeah. Like, okay, so wait a minute. So people are starting to do all this indoor farming and growing and grow towers, but who's fixing them? Who's setting them up? Who's installing? Because I'm telling you, it took me a couple of days just to install one on my wall. And it was frustrating, you know? But somebody can probably do that in 30 minutes and get paid to do it. Uh, so people are doing 
you know, people do HVAC and stuff like that. All of those things are going to need specific kinds of wirings and, and yes. things to that effect. Yeah. And kids aren't exposed to it. Then, you know, how do they know that these are things that 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 are that can potentially be part of their future? Yeah. And I, I think I think that's just like one path. And then coming back to the community, like. You, you know, people can kind of like make it and arrive or go and do whatever they want to do. But I've seen a lot of people come back to my hometown. As a matter of fact, a buddy of mine, he went to the military. He's retired. He's back. He's coaching track. He's over ROTC. He's starting a track club. And I mean, I know it's not STEM related, but I'm thinking about the people who go into the STEM professions and they make a nice amount of money, you know, Mm -hmm. what they can do to contribute and give back is give to some of these programs. Yeah. Encourage other students. Mentorship, you know, because it's it if kids don't see it, they don't know how to be it. And that's yeah. just the truth. I, I say all the time, I, I it's hard for me to watch hidden figures because where was this movie when I was in third, fourth, fifth, sixth grade? So, so we we just didn't put that in the textbook. We didn't show that film on Friday. We showed all kinds of films on Fridays. <laughs> But we didn't show, we didn't talk about this, you know, and it's like, but then I say, well, I'm counting on somebody else to go find these things for me. So you have to figure some things out for yourself. And I want to, when I find out things, I want to give it to the next generation. And like, for me, that's, that's how you build that community. You give back and you tell the, the people you're giving back to, you need to do the same thing. And you don't have to be living, you know, anywhere to give to that community. You can just decide that's what you want to do. You start a program, you start a scholarship. You, you pay for somebody's kid to go to college. You know, you can change a lot of people's lives just financially by being present. Um, so I think, you know, kids have to see others in STEM. That's why, like, I'm heavy on mentorship now. I wasn't, it wasn't at the top of my list of things as far as incorporating with my company, but in doing some research, it's so many uh, STEM careers around the community in which I grew up and live and, and companies who, they got people, they got engineers, they have minorities. Yeah. Like, wait, we want to come out, but we, like, I'm like, just go to the school and tell the principal. But I guess they don't even, they don't even know the dude. So I'm like, you know what? I got you. I got you. Absolutely. So mentorship it's- is huge to me for, for community building. Yeah. I mean that's I I love that because it may it it I am just now seeing people who are doing the job that I didn't know I wanted but now I know I want you know mm-hmm. and so if I had seen that or known that in in ninth grade in tenth grade in fourth grade the the impact that it would have had and so and so what you're saying just makes me. Um, Hopeful, honestly, because you're not the first person that we've had this conversation with about STEM and STEAM and really pushing to get in our communities to support students' understanding of this as a very viable and profitable way to make a life. Mm -hmm. Um, And and if you think about all the things that you love about your life, uh, whether it be going outside and playing, 
there's a science field that will allow you to do that. Um, or it's, it's hanging out with your friends or it's dancing or it's like, there's a way to, there's a science behind some of the things that we love. And if we can get students to be super, super excited about those sorts of fields and those opportunities, we're going to look at a very different um, demographic of people who are genuinely changing the world. Um, because if we think about the technologies and the science uh, developments that we've seen over the last 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, I was talking to some of my friends the other day about my great grandmother. She passed away five years ago, but she was born in what, 1923? Mm. She, like being born in 1923 and living to see a computer in your house and FaceTime <laughs> and pictures from all, like the fact that that could have happened in one person's lifetime. So imagine when we're 93 or we're 96 or we're 98, we can't even fathom what's what, what's going to change and what's going to happen. But if our kids don't know that they can be a part of changing the entire world and mm -hmm. how they can do that, that they we, we're setting up our kids to be behind exponentially more than they mm -hmm. are right now. Mm -hmm. and, and you use the right word to, to end there is exponential because what's happening now is all of these technologies are they're converging together. Um, artificial intelligence is converging with robotics. Um, augmented reality and virtual reality are converging um, with the arts. And so these things are all starting that, to- They might need to stop that robots thing with the-, with the it's, not, it's not, it, 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 it's not, it's <laughs> not- I saw something the other day scared me the, the, the human, the, the, the human thing? It's one, I think it's in Michigan. It went through an obstacle course. Yeah, it's um, it's uh, Boston Robotics. Oh, we um, all watch Black Mirror. Like we know, we are aware what could happen. Why are we doing this? And I'm, like, I'm like, that looks like a human being, but guess what? Human beings are gonna get tired because we got, you know, lungs and they <laughs> run out of breath. Never get tired. I'm watching this robot. There's, there's, there's both sides to it because some of it, like in Japan, Japan, like they're not having enough kids. So they're not having enough kids. There's not going to be anybody to take care of the old people. Some of those robots, they're, they're you know, and, and yes, it does feel black mirrorish, but some of those robots are going to wind up, you know, helping to, to take care of some basic. Not experience. my grandma. Not, not your grandma. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take my Google and that's about it. That's all. That's much. I don't need a whole human looking robot in my house doing nothing. I hate and it. No, and it's, it's going to happen. And I like, I remember like, vividly. Wake up, you know. Yeah. What's, the last, what's the last thing you said? I said it might wake up, you know, because Google, you can like just be talking and then it'll start talking back to you out of nowhere. And I'm like, no. I didn't say, hey, Google. Right. So I, I mean I'm sure they'll work out all the glitches. It, it's it's going to be several people who who get them, but I, I mean like you said, it's exponential. And what we have to do is get kids ready for jobs that don't even exist right now. Mm -hmm. Fifty years and ago, right now we're preparing them for jobs from 25 years ago. Because I I even caution many of them. Go ahead. I'll say I even caution coding programs, and this is why. I don't want to create students who code to go get a job necessarily to be a coder for like 20 years like because you're just in the system again working it's kind of like being on a factory line mm -hmm. and not now of course it pays a little bit more and it's not as dangerous as you know what it used to be working in factories but it's like i want them to still be creative and ha i have a very strong passion for entrepreneurship like mm -hmm. what can i create that's 
not necessarily better, but a solution to someone's problem, right? Yeah. You know, I commend Uber for creating Uber Eats, <laughs> you know, and all these other food delivery services because they took off during COVID. And I think Instacart, right? I tell people all the time, these words are made up. People have made up words and made up companies and you can do the same thing. Wow. <laughs> you know? And so that's another push for me with science. Like how can you take technology and make it into something that you wanted to to do and be and, and profit from it. That's that's a big piece to me with with STEM too. So when you talk about going back into the community, it's like how can you take your passions, your love, something you created and and bless the next generation. So for me it's like knowledge, like giving them these opportunities. If I would have known you get paid to build and design cities and buildings and parks, so it's like the Sims in real world. And I didn't even play the Sims. I think that's what the Sims are, right? You build mm-hmm. own world. People, they call city planners and other names, right? But mm-hmm. it's like, who was teaching us that? They were like, yeah. no, so you want to do this multiplication uh, table in this chart. They are seeing some of it now. Like kids are do, they doing their Roblox and 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 they're loving you know this this building process and um they you know pe- people are adding stuff into uh, what's that game um, famous game um, everybody plays uh, Minecraft. Well, they're doing the same thing with Minecraft, but I know what you're talking about. Oh, no, no, I know which one you're talking about. Evan loves it. My brother, yeah, yeah, yeah. my brother Evan. Oh my goodness. I don't know why it's not coming to mind, but it 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 is. With all of them, and and I agree with you on the on the on the coding thing. It's 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 what it's going to what what does coding do? Um, because it's one thing to be able to type it into the screen. It's another thing to imagine all of the things that are that that, that is capable of. So when people get those basic coding skills, it's it's fantastic. You either can got to get the basics just so you understand what it could do, or you got to go all the way. Because the people who don't go all the way will be exactly what you described. They'll they'll be the yeah. in, they'll be middle middle management, you know, some somewhere um, where they're not fantastic at it, so they're not creating the Facebooks, um, but they're 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 you know, they they yeah they don't get to where they know enough. Mm-hmm. Um, there, it's there's, Fortnite. There's Thank you. Fortnite. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not. Yeah. Fortnite. Because <laughs> yes. um, I'm like Fortnite's making a killing off of something. I'm like y'all buying what skins? Yep. How much does that cost? And you need you know those kids getting in trouble swiping their parents. You know when you put your card in, it's like in the system yep. already, and they don't realize that it's still on there, so they can it's just keep adding stuff. Two hundred dollars later, and I'm like. This I've never really seen the game. Maybe like once my friend's son was playing it, but I mean, how about you create your own game? Because someone told me that was in the um, the beta phase, so it wasn't. They didn't even work out all the glitches when it was hot, and they probably I don't know if they have, yeah. you know. But they're like, oh no, it's good enough. Everybody's buying it and playing it, so we good. I'm like, man, yeah. you can make yeah. your own game. So I just I think. Um, tuning tapping into kids though who like video games, right? My friend's son. He was ranked high up on Fortnite. He got kicked out for some reason. I don't know. So they kind of like banned him from something. I don't know. Right. So he's allowed back on the system or something. And I'm like, so how many followers does he have? He has like a quarter million followers. Yeah. I'm like, I said, I said, say the number again. You didn't say 2,500. I'm like, so why you don't have him on an esports team? Right. Because parents don't know about these things, and I, so I've been, yeah. I've been like, okay, Natalie, are you going to look into esports or not, right? But it's a way to get kids off the streets, 
They want to sit up and play video games. They can get paid. There's a whole 2K world out there where it's grown people playing basketball online and getting paid like they on the NBA team. I'm like, it's a whole nother world. <laughs> It is. A lot of the same skill sets that that allow people to be really good at video games or to make video games, that, those are some of the same skill sets that allow people to get into security, which is something incredible that you know like, like that that people are getting paid. They don't have enough people to do um, as much security on all of these various different virtual platforms ah, and, virtual yeah. and things to that effect. So if you get people interested in in the beginning, which is what you are doing. Um, you're, you're, you're creating a a, a, a lane, um, which Literally. is going to change people's lives. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just excited about all the because, like you said, there's things that we were not taught, and I was like, wait, you could do that for a living and make what? And I'm like, now nah, you're not, you're not, you finish, you just here to lay the road ahead. You're not going. <laughs> I might, I might go back, but you know, it's like no, it's 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 so much out here for kids to find their own love for you know when it comes yeah. to business. and it's even like even an art major you know i can go all day long about how you think those colors became the colors they are like if you ever go into a store to buy paint it is frustrating it's like a like the 50 shades of gray like it's funny but it's really it's like a hundred <laughs> right, shades right, of gray. right 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 because yeah. that's a chemical reaction that is taking place to make those pigments even i mean yeah. It's just science is a beautiful it's, thing. And it's all it, around us. It really is. And even like the TikToks where they're mixing paint and they're and they're like, what color do you think this is going to be? And then it comes out being some magenta after they put brown and orange. And, and you're just like, how did this happen? And so if you just take a second to look at or get like, I, I just give students five minutes. If it's if it's five minutes, send me a TikTok or send me an Instagram or send me something that was just really funny that you really enjoyed or something you're really into. And you get some people sending you bone cracks and some people sending you pimple pop and stuff and whatever, but you figure, I don't want to see it, but you figure out how to implement those things because you're actually in real time seeing what the students are interested in. And those things take, what, five minutes for you to watch five TikToks, 10 minutes for you to watch five TikToks. It, 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 it really... You got to be good, though. Don't keep scrolling. Just watch. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think like what you're saying just wraps into like making science fun, making it something science, STEM, STEAM, everything, making it something that students really, really want to engage with, because if they don't want to engage with it, they are simply they're going to tune out and then they lose an opportunity um, that unfortunately people in low income communities have been losing for a really long time and we don't we can't afford we no. literally cannot afford for that to continue to happen so mm. I, i'm so grateful and so like this part of the conversation we really do give people the opportunity to like learn more from you outside of this podcast episode so where can people reach you where can they find your work and how can they engage with with um, everything that you're doing so they can go to afterthepeanut.com that is my company's website and same handle on social media is after the peanut. And then me as an individual, it is CEO Natalie Coleman on Instagram and Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn too, you know, so, <laughs> but um, mostly uh, Instagram and Facebook. And so we got some great things coming up virtually and in person. So I'm looking forward to it. I am, um, I'm trying to get with Nike Okay, so if anybody's watching this and works for them, talk about my shoe <laughs> because they actually had a shoe ban. 
from the Olympics because it gave athletes like an advantage. And so mm. like that in itself, the different material shoes are made out of is science, is chemistry. That's why the shoe got banned because it actually, you know, helps people run faster. So it was like just a few seconds, but it makes a difference. And kids don't realize that yet. People who make shoes know science and physics. Mm. Like that's why they're made the way they are. But anyhow, I just I'm happy to have had this opportunity to interview with you all. I'm following you. I've joined the club. I will yes, be everything that's going on. I'll be spreading the word to my friends. But yeah, after the peanut, you know, we our home base is Illinois, but we we we're going to be international, right? I've already yes, done some period. Yeah. Well, to, I mean, talk talk a little bit about that before you go too. Like, it, you know, and and it, whether it's international or just you know other places. Like, if some pe- do you work with people? If somebody wants to take you know your program and offer it at their school, like are you like, do you do all? Oh, yeah. Stuff yeah. Do you, like, yeah sure. So just talk about if if anybody has heard and they're interested and say, look, I like that idea. You know, how, can can people get in touch with you to 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 use your work? Yes, so we create curriculum and programs and we can package them and, you know, provide that to a school, YMCA, Girl Scout Troop. Um, We do train a trainer where we can train teachers or instructors on how to do the different coding programs that we do, robotics. And then um, also if companies have a product, because that's how I got in touch with one company. Um, It's a company out of China. They had a lot of sensors. And so they wanted to get those into schools, like, you know, pH sensor or testing like the oxygen levels in water, so on and so forth. They had probably 20 different sensors. And I'm like, well, I got a team. You can write something for it. So we were going to like write like some standard science labs, but we ended up creating a forensic science uh, lab book with 10 different labs for high school. Mm. And we embedded all of their sensors into those labs. So... It's a variety of things that the company offers. Um, like I said, we're solution focused. We don't have like, we have these five things and that's it. It's like, yeah, yeah, we, have yeah, some, yeah. we have some core, you know, programs, but we can always customize them. And another thing that the company does is we teach how to look at science through a lens of inclusion. Like it's not an animal. Uh, this is how you have diversity equity and inclusion in the science classroom when you so it's not like oh let's talk about one female scientist today right. and we right. check the box no no it's all inclusive so absolutely those types of trainings but all that information is on the website um after the peanut.com uh we're going to be kicking off a, a steam club for kids and that's going to be open to anyone nine to 17 year old nine to 17 years old so a lot of great things in store. A lot sure. of great things in store. We're going to make sure that people are supporting that. You know, let us know. You know, we, we, we definitely want to let people know because, um, you know, we, we love the work you're doing. I, I love the work you guys are doing. It's, it's nice as father and daughter. That's <laughs> Thank you and so I much. like the shirts. Are we selling those shirts? And it's, I'm going to have to get me a shirt. Absolutely. Absolutely. If you, if you hit us up uh, on, I mean, I'm going to send you one. Uh, but for anybody else who, you know, who, who wants okay. one, um, Black on Black Ed, if you, if you you know, they, they don't. Just find us, find us online. We, we, I'm going to show some support. I'm going to spread the word for sure. 
We thank you. Thank you. We always appreciate that. So at this point, we always allow uh, our, our interviewee to become the interviewer. And so if you have any questions for us, um, please do share. So what, what you know, because I'm in Illinois, right? And I always wonder, like, what is it like in the other spaces, you know, um, across the state, you know, in major cities like, you know, L.A., Atlanta, New York, so on and so forth, like, what are you all seeing that's preventing kids from excelling in school? Because I wonder if the same issues here, because to me, like I said, the polit the politics behind some things is like, Absolutely. that could shift some things. The federal government and, and the Department of Education could shift some things if enough people raised up the 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 noise about it. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So what are you all seeing as like the roadblocks Getting yeah, I think the, I think the number one roadblock is, it, I shouldn't say number one, but one of the top roadblocks is something that's everywhere. It's the fact that um, schools are funded via property taxes. And so places that don't have um, significant amount of resources, which actually need more resources in, in their schools, they need more money, you know, for, for their schools, because there's different wraparound services that are required just to get students to a place where, where they're foundationally able um, to come to school ready to, 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 to learn. So that problem is a uh, United States, I don't see, how, I'm not sure how we, you know, make I don't know how we changed that, um, but, but but yeah, that, that's that's the that's the big big one uh, from my my perspective. And then on my end, I'm just thinking about it from being in the classroom, right? And so when I think about uh, STEM and how it's taught, it's taught to the exam. And so, like you said, we do have Common Core, but we also have the Regents exam in New York that's different than other places. And so the Regents exam, the things that students are tested on um, are, in my opinion, some of the least important, least important um, topics. And so the earth science is a class that is regions based. If you don't pass that regions exam, you cannot graduate high school. And I am not saying there's anything wrong with learning earth science. I'm saying that if we're thinking about what students need to know to survive in a ever changing world, then that is not what need, they need to be tested on. And so learning about astronomy and meteorology is extraordinarily important and it can happen throughout high school. But for that to be the main focus of an entire year's worth of content, when students should have the opportunity to work with the technologies and do the science um, that, that, we're, that we've been talking about this entire episode, I think that we would really see a shift in, in access to STEM and STEAM, because when you start out high school with a science where kids are like, and the mineral <laughs> and the plate tectonic, and like, you're just, it, it's really, really, really difficult to get them to fully buy in. And so I think that our priorities in terms of content really need to shift as it, and, and that connection to real life experiences, just like we talked about in the episode. So, um, Systemic problems, absolutely. Yeah. We we 1,000% have them. And and I think the two of those things really do wrap up what we're seeing here. And it is so just parallel to, to a lot of other major cities. And we can't even get into rural education because that's a whole other episode yeah. about resources, access, opportunity that we we, we already an hour and a, <laughs> hour and a minute into this. And we're going to have a whole other episode if we yeah. start talking about that. Yeah, I don't know the science behind it, but the reality is the systems don't like to change. So yeah. the systems, they 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 
stay the same for you know for way too long and um it does seem I, I took a tour around the country i went to schools all, all all over the place um and if it was an inner city the 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 challenges were all were you know, a little different around the edges but foundationally the the, the problems you know seem seem very similar everywhere okay yeah, yeah. Well, what's um what's one thing like like in the next year that you guys are looking for as far as the growth or where you want black on black education to be like what do you see as like success for your organization. Mm. Uh, you want me to take this question? Sure. I mean, I, I think success looks like impact, right? So having the opportunity to work with students and have them say, wow, this was really, really cool. I want to see you again. Like when a student tells me that is not my student that has to see me every day, that they want to see me again, or they want to engage with me again, or they want to do something that I created again, um, that that's impact. When educators do the exact same thing, when they come to a session with us and are like, oh my gosh, I can't wait for next month, or this was really great. I can't, I, I'm so excited that I got to talk or I got to engage with other people or that I was in a space where, where folks are really excited about, about making innovative changes in their classrooms and in their schools. So yeah. I think that over the course of the next year is really just continuing to be able to, to impact um, the way that teachers teach in the classroom and the way that students look at education. Those are really the two focus points that we have in our organization on the nonprofit side, working with students and on the on the business side, working uh, with educators. Yeah. We, we want to be catalysts for for um, for the love of learning, for, for our community to, to develop um, wherever it doesn't exist, a love of learning. So. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, getting the opportunity to do that is, uh, is, is I can't think of a better success. Yeah, 100%. And so as we close the Black on Black Education podcast, uh, we have to and always do say thank you. Thank you so much for your time. Thank y'all for listening. And we will see you for another episode next week. <laughs> thank you all so much. Have a great night.